Fanfic Writers Craft is a podcast that discusses all things fanfiction with a focus on the art and science of writing for the enjoyment of fan communities. My name is Joe, aka Publi Sand, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. My co-host, Lani, writes online under the name Copper Dust. You'll meet her shortly. In this episode, we discuss our fanfiction hot takes and nitpicks. I talk about engaging with comments, improving AO3, caring about statistics, and the misinformation that exists online about the monetization of fanfiction. Lani expresses her desire for more creative additions to fanfiction, such as multimedia elements, and urges accuracy in portraying certain settings. Our nitpicks include issues like organizing one-shots within fix, clunky exposition, lack of extended world-building and fantasy and sci-fi, redundant comparisons, and unnecessary material descriptions. We hope you enjoy, but for now, buckle up, get yourself a nice cup of tea, and welcome to the Fanfic Writers Craft. Hello, and welcome to the Fanfic Writers Craft. This is Joe. I hope you're all doing well. Lani and I are back. It is February, aka for Lani, the shittiest month of the year. For me, the second shittiest month wait, 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 of the year. Wait, whoa, whoa, what's the first shittiest month? <laughs> November. We've already discussed oh, this did before. We? Yeah. Oh, November. because you don't like it that it gets darker every day. Yeah. Whereas February is shorter and at least it's getting lighter every day. Yeah, and um, I don't like that I have to do report cards and parent-teacher interviews. So, <laughs> although I, I have, we've had- I do do those in November also, but. <laughs> Well, anyway, welcome to this February episode. At least I am going to Florida at the end of the month, so I will get some sun. Uh, but how are you, Lani? What's been up? Well, I'm actually also going to get some sun in for March break, not in February. I'm going to California, so I'm very excited for that. Um, how are things? Um, I basically, I on my on my blackboard, I write down a list of upcoming due dates and test dates for the kids. And I looked at it the other day and I was like, that's a lot of things for being 11. <laughs> so I just canceled. <laughs> I canceled the biweekly vocabulary test that uh, we usually do. And we're also having a class party for Valentine's Day and I have no regrets. Oh, that's lovely. That's so nice. I like that you had empathy for them for being 11. <laughs> Yeah, I remember having so much homework like at that age, and like, oh my god! It's also it's because their brains are spaghetti. So even if something seems like not very hard to do, it takes them five times as long to do it as it would take like you or yeah. me. No, fair enough. Um, so yeah, today we thought we'd do a more kind of fun and light episode, and we are going to ta- to talk about our hot takes and nitpicks in fan fiction. I think we all have those just generally in terms of like writing and and consuming media, but I thought mm-hmm. it would be interesting to do more of uh, the fan fiction one. So we're gonna talk. We're gonna give our, our unfiltered thoughts on the most debated, celebrated, and scrutinized. Aspects of fan fiction. Um, so, Lani, I thought we would do this episode kind of differently and just kind of go through our hot takes and nitpicks as the episode goes. Uh, but I think first you wanted to kind of define the nitpicks and hot takes uh, thing. Yeah, because at first I asked myself, yeah, but like, what's the difference between a hot take and a nitpick? And I think I've narrowed it down. So mm-hmm. um, a hot take is a strongly held opinion on a topic that may be controversial and provoke strong reactions. 
A nitpick yes. may not be a super strong opinion, but involves criticizing something that you logically know is a tiny detail, and yet it bothers you more than it should. But there is also um, a hot nitpick, which is when something you feel extremely strongly about, and you're criticizing something that almost everyone does, so they're all going to be mad about the fact that you're criticizing that tiny detail. So we can also have hot nitpicks. Right. Yeah, I uh, I completely agree. That's a, that's a definition that I can stand behind. Okay. <laughs> so do you, what's your, let's go, let's go for it. What's your first hot take? So this is like, maybe not the hottest take, but I think I'm asking something of people that maybe is not reasonable. So um, I wish that more people would add some outside-the-box creativity to their work. I love it when writers share their song playlists or their visual inspiration boards or even their rough notes. Um, and I'm always playing around with like DVD extras for my stories. So I've done like physical art, I've done digital art, I've done story trailers, hand-drawn animation, playlists, chapter update art, video travels, like... Um, I literally like nothing is nothing is like out of the question is like, would I ever do this? Like other than doing a podcast where I narrate my own work because I would not do that because um, I don't have the right accents. But I just I wish people would do mm. more weird stuff. I wish they would do like when when I did my multimedia episode, um, I interviewed someone who did fan fiction origami. And then she she talked about somebody that I didn't know, but a, a girl who like when she reads a fan fiction, she likes she makes like a podcast an illustration out of pie <laughs> yeah i remember and like, that yes and i was like why aren't more people doing weird shit like that like <laughs> so what i'm saying is like you're already a weirdo for liking fan fiction so why not be more weird but okay so i can talk about myself because i don't really do that because i'm not talented in any other way like I can write, but that's about it. Like I, I can't, I can't make anything visual because I'm not visual and I'm crap. My, you're also like an A fan. What's that? <laughs> an A fan is an A fantasia person. But no, but like, and and like I. So when I did art in high school, you know, you have to. Well, in middle school, you have to go art mm -hmm. class. My art teacher said that she was scared by my work because it was so bad. So this is how low the standard is for me. So I can't do like digital art or whatever I do share my playlist I guess mm -hmm. and I I mean I'll like if people ask me questions on Tumblr and like sometimes for important chapters I'll do like an extended AN where I kind of dig into like why I wrote it and how I wrote it and stuff but like generally speaking mm -hmm. I just don't have the talent Lanny I'm not I'm, I'm just not there but but what makes you think that the people who do these things are are professional or talented either? Like, plenty of people are writing fan fiction who have no writing talent. So why do you need talent to make fan fiction pie? Well, okay, cake maybe, but I feel like it's a skill that I don't have. Um, I would like I would, but I mean, like you must have some skill other than writing. There must be at least one thing in life you can do other than writing. Not really. Like other, I mean, other than writing a work, not really. I mean, I suppose you can do law and you've written about like the legality of of making money off fan fiction yeah. so i guess that that's like your contribution i guess yeah but um but yeah i don't know um but yeah that's like like i guess that's a good hot take i don't know i'm just like i wish i had that talent but i just don't um I guess, like, see, I guess most of my hot takes, we, I guess this episode is coming a bit late because most of my hot takes we actually discussed during the audience <laughs> episode. So 
so I feel like I don't have that much to say, but yeah, mm-hmm. but like it's like writers should answer their comments and should you know say thank you to their comments, even though even though there's not that much else to say. Unless someone gives you like a hate comment, you don't have to say thank you no, to that. But yeah, and also the fact that I don't think it's okay to leave criticism unfick, and that I think this behavior is unhinged and should be regulated by the community at large. Um, but I guess those are my like most controversial take. Another controversial take that I have is that I think AO3 could be much better run than it currently is. And I think there's a space between the current website as it is, which is extremely flawed and not necessarily working as intended or not necessarily working it's the best way it could and it being like a social media kind of big tech company with like all the bad sides to that there's a medium space between those two things that a lot of people kind of ignore and I wish the AO3 board was a little bit less risk averse and was a little bit willing, more willing to like invest in the website to make it better because right now it it was invented as an archive, but it's no longer just an archive. And I feel like the it, it should it could be improved and should be improved. And I think that's a controversial take because a lot of people just think AO3 is like so great and like their board is amazing and it like it promotes fanfic around the world and it's like when you actually look at the admin of the way this site is run, it is quite sad. Um, so I guess that's that's one of the maybe my most controversial take. I think I I, I really don't look that much into how AO3 is run. A lot of people have said, and I agree, that we love that there's no algorithm. Yeah. I mean, you you can choose to sort works by kudos or bookmarks, but even then, like, that's transparent because they're telling you what the sorting criterion is. You know, like, it's it's not, we think you like this, it's, these are the facts. Because that way, you yeah. know, it doesn't do that thing where the stuff that gets the most engagement is the stuff that is the most immediately infuriating that people hate, which is mm-hmm. how like Twitter works and how a lot of TikTok works. So I like that they're not like pushing the shit yeah. content to the top so you can leave like angry comments. Um, I think if they were doing that, I've shared with you which fanfiction would be at the very top of that list. We're not going to mention it because I think I might actually be arrested for even referencing it. <laughs> for even having just seen the summary. <laughs> it was like, listen, listen, I'm in favor of free speech, but I have to say. Yeah, we will not We will not be putting that fan fiction in the show notes. <laughs> that was really pushing the boundaries of, of everything. Um, yeah, I, I generally, I agree that AO3 could have more features. Um, I think when it comes to sorting mechanisms, I would probably like some other things besides how many kudos and how many bookmarks, like, because sometimes the amount of bookmarks is really a function of how long the story is, because if something's a one shot, like a lot of people bookmark and so that they can finish the book. And then when it's, mm. you know what I mean? Then they forget to take it out of their bookmarks when it's done. I think it would be cool if, there was a way to sort things according to some ratio of like number of people who clicked on it to number of people who commented. Cause I think plenty of people, yeah. you know, we click on something, but then we don't finish it cause we don't like it. So 
if you had a super high like comment to click ratio, like it would indicate that like most people who started reading your story liked it or there there must be some other way. There's um so there's a Google add-on. It's not part of AO3, but there's a Google add-on that you can add with um what is it hits to kudos mm-hmm. which isn't like as good as like comment but it still kind of gives you a little bit of an indication the issue with hits to kudos is that it kind of it's a bit skewed against longer works because you will click on it multiple times so even really popular longer works will get like only two or three percent and like a very low hits to kudos ratio because there's multiple chapters and so people will like re-click on it and not re-kudo because you can only kudo once Mm -hmm. but you can also sort by length though But, to filter um, out those but yeah i think i think it's i think it's a good thing i think my problem with ao3 is, is mostly the way that they invest the money that they do have like they do donation drives that are always that always go beyond the goal that they have and that's great and it's great that people give to ao3 like don't get me wrong because it allows them to not have advertising it allows them to not make people pay for anything so it's it's great if you donate to AO3, it's great. But the thing is, like, if you look, I have, because their accounts are public, and if you look at their accounts, they have a massive chunk of money that they keep aside in case of a rainy day. But the problem is that money just sits there. It's not invested. It's not nothing. And it's like, and there's like a million dollars there. And you're kind of like, how are they not investing this to at least get inflation back? And the second thing is, and the money that they do spend, half of it is on the servers, which is, Fair enough, like they have a really big site to run, but half of it is on legal. And I'm like, you're not getting sued. They're not getting sued. All they're doing is advocacy work for, you know, and, and submitting like amicus briefs to in like American copyright cases and stuff, which is great work. Like, don't get me wrong. It's very important and it's great advocacy work, but I don't think half of the AO3 budget should go towards legal. And I say this as a lawyer, I think there's so much more stuff that could be done before we spend this much time and money on lawyers. The problem is AO3 was created by lawyers. Like it was a lot of the stuff that was there when they created AO3 were lawyers. And so of course they think it's the most important thing. But objectively speaking, like unless AO3 is getting sued, which they are not and have never been, I don't necessarily think that this is a good use of their money. But anyway, (laughs) that's my rant for today. (laughs) So, So we've had a hot take from each of us. Um, what is, maybe let's do a nitpick from each of us. So do you want, let's, let's have you do a nitpick and then I'll do one. Um, so this is Joe from the future. I was re-listening to the episode um, and I was realizing that I think I wasn't super clear in what I was talking about. So I'm just going to try and re-explain it. Basically, one of my biggest pet peeves and a nitpicks is the way that certain people will use a multi-chapter fic in AO3 as a way to put together different one-shots that they've written. So to give you an example, like, you know, you've got Slipped and The Wolf's Just a Puppy. Those are two of my one-shots. Instead of posting them as one-shots, as individual stories, and maybe if I feel the need to, linking them as a series if maybe they're the same fandom or the same themes or whatever people pouring everything into one single multi-chapter story so you have like slipped on chapter one and the wolves on uh, the wolves just a puppy on chapter two 
And the reason why this is a nitpick of mine is I understand that people do this to like, because they think it'll help traffic and it'll help things be organized on their AO3 page. But the thing is like, this is preventing me from ever recommending your story to anyone because it's just really, like it's a lot of hassle to be like, hey, so I'm recommending the story, but I'm actually recommending like this individual one shot that's like at chapter six or something instead of just linking to the story. And I feel like a lot of the times, like I'm thinking of one story in particular, which I'm not going to link because I don't want to shade anybody. But there was this one story in particular, like this one fake in particular, which like I love, especially one of the one shots in it, but it's You've got nine chapters, all different one shots, all different pairings, all different types of stories. Like some of them are like trio pairing, you know, like a kind of pairing is not the right word because pair is like two, but kind of like throuple, Ron and Hermione and Harry. There's one of them that's like an AU. There's one of them. There's a few of them that are canon compliant Hinny. Like, and it's just you have to understand the people who read these things are not necessarily the same people. You have to understand your audience. And for me, it's very difficult to recommend one of these stories because if you're recommending one chapter, you're kind of also recommending the others, but maybe I might either, I don't like the others, so I'm just not going to recommend your story, like any of your stories at all, because I don't want to be sending people to that link, even though I like one out of the five stories, like that doesn't seem fair to people. Or even if I liked them, I wouldn't recommend them in the same way. And so I find it really, really hard to like boast these fix and, and unless they're like one shots that really happens in the same universe and are kind of like very connected, but especially if the stories are not connected, like please just create individual fix and link them in the series if you want. But I feel like creating a multi chapters with like 10 different one shots, there are 10 different pairings, 10 different like moods and genre. I mean, you're not doing anyone any service and, and it's likely that a lot of people will click on your story, be like, oh no, that's actually not something I like and not even bother to look at the other chapters that might have different pairings. So this is kind of my problem and this is my nitpick. Thank you very much. Maybe like sometimes the answer is as simple as someone has a weird cell phone and it's like easier to view their own work that way. Like <laughs> it's it's not always like a deep answer, you know? Well, this is my nitpick. There okay. you go. <laughs> I know it's not important, but I feel, but I feel very strongly about okay. it. What's uh, yours? So, like, this is a nitpick that only really applies in, like, sci-fi and fantasy kind of worlds, but when there's a lot of world building in canon, and then when you read a story, especially a longer story, where they work with the existing world building, but they don't extend any of it, like, for, you know what, even I think J.K. Rowling was a little bit guilty of this, even though that's not fan fiction. Like, okay, let me give you a more concrete example. So, like, we know that Harry Potter has like a ton of world building and they have so many different aspects of that story that sort of create this culture in this universe, right? And then in the seventh book, we see Bill and Fleur's wedding. I knew that the wedding was coming because they mention it in the sixth book. They say like, oh, you're still coming to the wedding, yeah. aren't you? So I knew like, okay, we're going to see the wedding in the next book. And I had assumed that the, we would have some like fascinating representation of what a marriage ceremony looks like in the wizarding world that would be you know, a way of extending the culture and complexifying the culture the way that we saw 
what's what you know how sports are different in the wizarding world but instead we saw a wedding that looked pretty much like a typical wedding white dress walking down the aisle whatever and i was like how did you miss the opportunity to do some world building here with like a special magical Mm. ceremony that's like would be impossible in the real world and and like ways of binding the couple to each other that are like literally magical and and you know traditions that harry is like encountering for the first time and throw back to the first book when he like doesn't understand the culture or, or know what anything is like it was such a missed opportunity and i also hate when people do that in fan fiction where they have that imagined world but they don't add anything to it because it makes it feel like the Truman Show to me it makes it me feel like I can see the end of the universe and like the wall that's there like the you know how in the Truman Show he's like under a dome and he finally he sails out and he finds the wall at the side of the dome I I feel like that I I hate it when they don't extend the world building or add anything Mm. see I don't know because I think, I think, well, I think the reason for that is just maybe because people aren't interested. Like, I think there's always certain things that you are interested in that someone else is not going to be interested. Like, you're going to be interested in the sort of rituals around the Bellin for a wedding and stuff. That is never something that occurred to me because that is not interesting to me. So I think that's probably the reason why people don't do it is that, like, people have different interests, I guess. But yeah, I see, I see what you mean. Like, it's frustrating when, you know, you, you, you yourself can see an opportunity in something that is interesting to you and they are not developing it. Like, I guess it's like me when J.K. Rowling says the the wizarding judge, like legal system is bad and no, doesn't really explain to us how it's bad. Uh, that is frustrating to me. So I think I, I get what you mean. I think that's that's fair. <laughs> What's your next hot take or nitpick? I don't know if this is a hot take, really. Like, I think it's a controversial opinion in a certain section of the fandom. But one of the hot takes that I had was, I think it's normal for people to care about their stats. Like, I think there's there's a very vocal part of the fan, like, d- d- just sort of AO3 and, P- and fan fiction writers on Tumblr that is always like, oh, you should write for yourself and you shouldn't care about your stats and stuff. And I think, I think that's just sad because a lot of people care and I think it's very normal to care. And I think a lot of people, for a lot of, a lot of times, like, when I see these takes, I'm like, yeah, you're probably saying that because your fic is successful. And, it's it's a very easy like take to have when you are someone who gets eye on who gets attention on their work but it's kind of ignoring the fact that we as writers are all sort of in a way most of us are writing to connect with people as well and i think it's absolutely normal to care about getting comments, to care about getting kudos. Now, I think it shouldn't become an obsession. And I think, you know, the problem with social media a little bit is that it's kind of encouraging us to think of stats and to think of likes and stuff. And that kind of transfers to fan fiction as an obsession. And I think, you know, you should keep yourself from trying to do that. But I think it's normal to care a healthy amount. And I think like we shouldn't be moralizing people just to, just for admitting that they care a little bit that like, you know, they published this one fic and got zero comments on it. I think, I think that's a very fair thing to be sad about. And I, I don't think you should, you know, be judged or moralized because you care about your stats. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of a version of the thing where like somebody will be sad because they're lonely or they're single and somebody else will say something like, Well, you need to love yourself first. Like you need to be your own best friend. When yeah. like 
Um, it's not anti-mental health to say that, like, actually, you can't be your own best friend. Like, you need social connections with other people who aren't you. And it's valid and normal to be lonely if you don't have close friends or connections. It's people who they think they're being helpful, but they're actually just being cruel when they say that you shouldn't care that no one read your work, you shouldn't care that you have no friends, you shouldn't care that you're single. When in reality, all of these are like yeah. forms of, of loneliness, which is a normal emotion that healthy people feel if they lack human connection. And when you tell people that this feeling doesn't matter, mm. you're not helping them. Like you're just being even more cruel yeah. than the suffering they're already going through is. That's that's what I have to say. I agree. And I think it kind of ties in as well to this kind of line of thinking where, you know, if someone will express, like I've seen this happen on Discord or Tumblr so many times, where someone will express like struggles with their writing. So like, you know, oh, I don't have time to write or oh, I don't know, like I'm really struggling with this one story that I'm writing or whatever. And the response that you always get, that people always get is like well, don't worry about it. It's just fan fiction. It's a hobby. And it's like, yes, these people clearly know that it's fan fiction. It's a hobby. But they also are allowed to care a healthy amount about their work. <laughs> and they are allowed to care a healthy amount about, oh, I'm writing this like one fan fiction I'm really struggling with. And, you know, I want to express that in on like my Tumblr or my public forum or whatever they choose. I think, I think it's a very normal thing to do to, you know, care about your hobbies. And, and sure, it shouldn't be becoming an obsession and shouldn't like impact on the rest of your life or whatever, you know, shouldn't be making you unhappy because it's a hobby but it's normal to struggle with a hobby for sometimes and it's normal to it's work and it's normal to struggle it's normal to be like it doesn't it doesn't mean like you, you're not supposed to just like chill and be like oh it's just fan fiction so I can't ever care about it like I think that's uh I think we need to recognize that it's normal and important to care about these things as well. And I think it kind of ties into the sort of also, you know, oh, you shouldn't care about your kudo counts or you shouldn't care about your comments or whatever. Yeah, I think it all comes from the same place, which is a person encounters another person who's struggling emotionally. And the first person is actually not willing to sit with them in their discomfort and feel some empathy and empathy is going to cause you to feel sad when another person is sad. So instead, they want to fix the problem right away, but they don't actually care enough to help fix it. They just want to brush the other person off and say, your suffering isn't real and it's fine, so stop making me feel bad. And it's like, what I would say to those people is like, if you are not willing to sit in empathy with another person, just don't have the conversation. <laughs> but don't put on this like fake empathy, where you're only here to say what you're feeling isn't real, or, you know, normal people don't feel that way, or, or anything like that. Because normal people do feel that way. Um, yeah. It's normal to want attention and love. It's normal to want friendship. You know, I think if somebody has 5 million readers and they're crying because they didn't get to 6 million, that's when you can have the conversation about like yeah. numbers aren't everything. But when someone has zero readers and they want to have one, like that is not the appropriate moment to be having that conversation. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Okay. What's your next hot take and nitpick? Hit us. Um, here's my hot take. When it comes to using a dialect of English that is not your native dialect, some people feel that 
well, it's cool that you do the research into British English, but, you know, not everybody's into that or like, that's not my cup of tea or like, that's just your thing. But it's actually about choosing what word goes next when you write. And I believe like literally all of writing revolves around choosing your words because that's the only thing you're doing that's different than anyone else. We all choose from the same very large word bank of words. And yeah. the only difference between my writing and anyone else's writing is what word I choose to put next. So I think when people are like, the dialect doesn't matter that much, like, why can't you be chill about it? Or like, maybe you're interested, but I'm not. To me, it's like, if you are not interested in what words you are choosing to use, you are not interested in writing, because there's nothing to it other than choosing words. There's no other part of it. I mean, I get that you have to learn how to spell and decode, but I'm assuming all of you guys are can decode and spell in which case like what are you doing if not making word choices and i think some people just say well i just use the first word that comes into my head i don't think about it but i'm like great that's talking writing doesn't work that way you know right now i'm talking so i'm saying whatever word comes next but if i was writing i would be thinking a little bit more about my word choice yeah no i i kind of agree like i think i kind of get the fact that I, and again, like, I kind of get the fact that for a lot of people, fan fiction is a hobby and maybe they would rather sort of write in, because I think even if you write in your own dialect of like something that isn't, like, shouldn't be your own dialect, like, let's say you're American and you're writing for like something that happens in the UK, you can still be choosing your words. Like, you can still be working. You're just not trying to learn another dialect. I'm, look, I'm not saying that if you make a mistake, you're terrible. Like we all make mistakes. I've made mistakes, but there's a difference between like, I tried and I made mistakes versus I'm not even trying. And I'm just coming right out and saying, LOL, I'm not trying. To me, that's two different things. Cause I, I feel like there's this culture now of if you say people should try, that's unfair. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go ahead and say people should try. I'm not expecting perfection, Yeah, but it's like, if you can't be bothered to like, why should I read your story when like you couldn't be bothered to like think about writing it, you know? Yeah. Like I, I'm trying to be devil's advocate here, but I kind of get it because it's funny. I was actually thinking, so obviously I'm reaching the end of Castles. Like I only have four chapters left and I do like, I don't want to be writing a new long thick, but I do like, I think if I ever do long work again, it'll be original fiction, but I do have like, lined up a number of stories that I want to write that I've kind of been putting off for a few years um, to be like, okay, well, I want to, I want to write this whenever I have time. And one of them, like one of them is a one shot that I've been thinking about in like The Good Wife for a while. And, and I was thinking to myself like, oh, I'm going to have to write American English again. And it's like, and so I kind of get it because at the same time I would do it. Do you know what I mean? Like I was, that was my first thought. Like when I was thinking about the story that I'd like to write for the good wife. But if you knew, but if you knew that something was wrong, oh, yeah. would you make that mistake even knowing no, it was wrong? No, that's the thing. Like, that's what I'm saying. I'm kind of like, I was kind of lamenting to myself. I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to have to write American English again. But also it wouldn't occur to me to not try do you know what I mean? It wouldn't occur to me to be like, like, I was annoyed with it. And I was kind of like, maybe this is a reason why I'm not going to write it. But at the same time, I was just kind of like, okay, but I, but if I do, if I do do it, I will do it. And the thing is, like, for me, it's a bit different because I changed already once. Like, because when I was writing The Good Wife, like, I was writing generally in American English. And I was also living in the US, if that made sense. And then when I moved 
to Ireland, I changed mm-hmm. the kind of dialect and the kind of writing that I like, even like the spelling and stuff. But that was more of a work thing than a, even a writing thing. Like at the time, I just, I moved, I started working in Ireland and that was the standard spe- spelling. And so I just like acted on UK spelling. And so now like the thought of having to work to go back to like writing American and writing American dialect, I'm just like, oh my God, it's so much work. But at the same time... And it's also none of it, none of it is your first yeah, language either. None of it is right? my first language either. <laughs> but at the same time, it's kind of like, I would still, I think I would still try. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I kind of, I'm trying to be devil's advocate and trying to advocate for these people. But at the same time, I, I think personally, I would still try. I probably wouldn't go and I don't go to the lengths that you go to like because I think you have a very specific love of dialect and and research and stuff which I don't do but I do think I try and do the bare minimum and I try to get like most things right when I when I write these stories Mm -hmm. it's basically it's also like anything else not just dialect but like if you know it's wrong and you do it anyway because you can't be bothered to it's you know, like, if I was going to have two characters talking and one character tells the other a fact about chemistry, like, I don't know anything about chemistry, but if I really wanted a character to say something, I would take the 30 seconds to Google it before I, like, wrote down some BS that was, yeah. that was like, would be obviously <laughs> false to anyone who had, like, the barest level of familiarity, right? Yeah. No, fair enough. Um, okay, I think it's my turn. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. it's your turn. Okay. Um, I think I had one more, which, I mean, this is a hot take, but it's a hot take I have expressed many times on Tumblr before, so it shouldn't shock anyone. But I think, so I wrote in the document that we prepared, I wrote, fan fiction writers should be allowed to monetize, which isn't really what I meant. What I meant is I get annoyed at the don't monetize or else you'll be sued and die crowd. There is a very vocal crowd on sort of fan fiction communities that talk about every time, like, they're always like, oh my god, like, this one person tried to get, like, five dollars off of Kofi for, like, their fan fiction, and oh my god, they're endangering the entire community because it's illegal to sell fan fiction. Like, calm down. Calm. Really, like, calm down. First of all, it's not illegal, it's very complicated, and there's a lot of law behind it that I'm not going in, going to get into. But secondly, like, people just need to chill and stop judging, like, 15 year olds for trying to you know get a hundred bucks for like their fan fiction it really does nothing it harms no one it they are not going like in all likelihood they're not going to get sued because no one's gonna sue you for a hundred dollars so it's it's also like i think a lot of people don't understand that when you sue somebody if you win the money has to come from them so if they're broke if that person is broke like like the money does not come from the sky so it's never worth suing somebody who yeah. isn't rich and 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 that's kind of the reason why like without going into too much detail that so monetization of fan like monetization of fan works so like you know of derivative works is a very complicated body of law there's a number of factors that will make it I'm, I'm using these words even though it's not they're not the greatest words but legal or illegal like you know or something that you can get sued for or something that you can't get sued for one of them is the ability to is the fact that you prevent the original author from profiting from their work with by kind of competing with them that is one of the factors 
within an array of factors. You can still be sued for writing fanfiction. Technically, you could still be sued even if you're not making money. Like that has nothing, that has very little to do with it. But the reason why AO3 has taken the stance that it has, and it's actually like for, for better or for worse, they do spend a lot of money on lawyers. So they have a very like legitimate stance. The reason why AO3 does that is to protect writers because you don't, as my mom says, it's a French kind of expression, but it's, you can't shave an egg. Like if there's no money to be gained by suing someone, you're not going to get sued. <laughs> I just like the French expression. Shave an you egg. Can't yeah, shave an you egg. can't shave an egg. There's nothing to shave on an egg. And so the thing is like, the, that's why AO3 to does this, is that they're basically protecting you from lawsuits because if you're not making money, you're much less likely to get sued. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't get sued. And one of the examples that people always bring up in this case is Anne Rice, who, by the way, like the people who she threatened to sue because she never sued them, but the people she threatened to sue were not making money. So, so this is my part. Like the money thing isn't a be all and end all. But the thing is like the, the Anne Rice, first of all, she didn't sue. She sent cease and desist letters to people who were 16 years old and panicked. They got a cease and desist letter, which if you're not familiar with what a cease and desist letter is, it's basically a letter from a lawyer telling you to stop doing what you're doing if and if you don't stop doing what you're doing, then you're going to get sued. And people will like, people kind of panicked. Pe like people were 16. They saw this in their mailbox and they're like, oh my God, I'm getting sued by Anne Rice. And can I, can I just, can I just interrupt yeah. you to be like, the worst part of her sending cease, cease and desist to a 16 year old is like, let's say you're a 16 year old. You wrote some, you know, some Louis Lestat smut <laughs> and published it not knowing and then you get a cease and desist letter but you're 16 so you like don't understand if you're being sued or not yeah. right so now what you have to do because you're 16 is like go to your dad <laughs> and be like daddy like am i being sued and he'll be like are you being what and then you have to explain the whole situation to him and then he has to read your Lestat Louis smut and investigate the whole situation in order to tell you that you're not being sued so even though you actually in the end haven't been sued you're still 16 and you've been forced to show your dad <laughs> your fiction, which is basically as bad as being sued yeah and I think it was cruel of her to do that and it, it gave a lot of people like a wrong impression about like fan fiction and stuff but to, but you have to argue that Anne Rice first of all she didn't sue and I would argue that she wouldn't have sued even if they had kept their stuff online because she was clearly crazy but not that crazy like who who sues people for no money because 16 year olds don't have money but even if she had like it's it's one case out of like hundreds of millions of fan fictions out there and it's just it kind of it boggles my mind that like there's so much misinformation around this topic like right now i'm on fan fiction tiktok the number of people who are like you can't monetize fan fiction because it's illegal i don't know if you saw um What's her, what's her face? Selin Yu sold Manacled uh, to a publisher. Um, so I think 
it's going to be published in 2025, so she's leaving Medical up until tw- the end of 2024. Sorry, sorry, she's leaving what up? Manacles? Are you not familiar with Manacles? No, I've, I've never heard oh, of okay. this. Oh, okay. Like, it's a Drummione fanfiction. It's very famous. It's kind of, like, all over TikTok. But she sold it. And are, oh, are they going to do the Fifty Shades of Grey thing of, like... Yeah, so she sold it. She sold it and kind of, like, repurposed it to be like original work we don't really know the details yet and so so many people are coming out with videos about like oh my god how could she do this like you can't sell fan fiction and first of all like that's not what happened but secondly like just chill like just it's not illegal to sell fan fiction stop saying it's illegal to sell fan fiction it just it boggles my mind it's it really depends on so many factors of whether or not you can monetize a work how original it is what kind of points you're making whether or not you're monetizing it like it's an array of factors and I also don't like the way that these people kind of give this illusion to people that it's a binary that like if they don't make money they're fine and if they do make money they're not because the thing is like I think you should be aware of the fact that even if you don't make money potentially you could get sued it's highly unlikely but you could and that is just yeah that is just one thing and it just the misinformation is my hot take like the misinformation is the thing that really really annoys me (laughs) Yeah, and we were talking about, like, misinformation in TikTok BS, like, before the podcast and, like, the unstoppable nature. I actually read an article yesterday that says psychologically... When If you hear something repeated more and more often, no matter how aware you are that it is a lie, your brain, the more you hear it repeated, the more your brain starts to believe that there's some truth to it, or maybe it wasn't such a lie. So like, it doesn't matter how stupid a piece of misinformation is, the more it gets repeated, the more your brain internally is like, hmm, maybe it wasn't that stupid. Oh, yeah. I had a a friend of mine did an experiment. So she, she is Russian and her boyfriend is Irish. And before so when the war in Ukraine was starting out she kind of tuned into this like new Russian news network which is kind of an international network but Russia today which was full of obviously misinformation about the war and stuff and her boyfriend was watching it with her mm-hmm. and he and I remember him telling me like it's weird because you know it's wrong you know it's not real and yet like even I as an Irish person when I was w- watching this all day I could have believed it do you know what I mean like after a while mm-hmm. and so I yeah. think it's it's very persuasive it can be very persuasive when you're like hearing the same thing over and over again it's the same thing as people who are like oh I'm smart commercials don't work on me I'm like commercials work on <laughs> everyone because they're not actually there to logically persuade you to buy the product like that's they're so mm. much more insidious than that and commercials work on everybody yeah Okay, I think we have time for one more nitpick and hot check, so go go for it. Well, there's so many. Okay, I'm going to do this one because I I think it's my best nitpick. Uh, I'm more of a nitpick person than a hot take person when it comes to fanfiction, to be honest. Okay. I'm more of a hot take person, so So, that's good. Um, I really, I think I may have even mentioned this before, but I really hate it when people describe what a material is made from in a context in which it was already obvious that something was made from that material. So the example of this is like often in stories, you'll hear the phrase thin cotton t-shirt, like, you know, she pulled on a thin cotton t-shirt and went out the door or whatever it is. And like, if if I asked you just like, imagine a t-shirt, what is it made of? Like thin cotton is what the typical default t-shirt is made of. (laughs) 
A similar example would be like, she sat down at the wooden table. Like, aren't most tables made of wood? Am I wrong here? Um, there's so many examples of this that people do. Um, with wood, with plastic, with metal, with glass. And I think it's because people are trying to give a sense of tactility and materiality to their story by mentioning materials. And I admire the effort to be more tactile because I'm a, like, when I write, I'm very tactile and I don't like it when a story only describes how things look and sound, but not how they feel to the touch because it makes you feel like you're perceiving everything through a TV screen. But please note don't write what a material is made of unless it's made out of a different thing than what people would assume. Or if it's such a mysterious object, there's no like default assumption for what the thing would be made of. So, you know, like if you're talking about some like magical device, there's no like default, what is it made of? So it's okay to say what it's made of. But if you say he put on his metal watch, like that's what watches, <laughs> that's a default watch, you well, know? So this is what I have. To, well, no, 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 no. What is a watch made out of? Like, leather? Those are the straps. Yeah. What is the watch made out of? The part that makes it a watch and not okay, a bracelet. Okay, yeah. Okay, if that's what you're talking about. But for me, it's like, if they say a metal watch, I'm counting the strap within But that. if they said a sterling silver watch, at least you're being specific about what type of metal, because there's a few different metals you might make a watch. But if they just say, like, a metal <laughs> watch or... Um, you know, let's say something has some some object in their hand that's obviously plastic. I see this with plastic a lot, where they'll describe an object being made of plastic that is always made of plastic, so there's no need to say it. So this is this is my message. If you are hearing this, and you know deep down that you have written the phrase thin cotton t-shirt, please know that it's never too late to take it out. You can... No, you can pause this podcast right now and delete Thin Cotton T-Shirt with no further penalty. See, I have not, I don't think I have written Thin Cotton T-Shirt, but I've definitely written Wooden Table before. But because Wooden Table, like, when I say Wooden Table, I mean, like, exposed grain, like you would see the wood. Well, 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 but if you meant exposed grain, then you should have said exposed but see, grain. But like, that's not my right? tone. No, 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 but you're saying I said this, but I meant that. And I'm like, then say what you meant. <laughs> But see, that's not the tone of my writing as well. Like, that's just not how I write. Like, I, I, yeah, I think, I think you're a much better person to describe, like, at describing things than I am. I, uh, I take the feedback gladly. <laughs> oh, can I just, this, this one is one more nitpick, but oh, it's yeah. so small and so deeply specific that I think most of you haven't done it, but those of you who've done it need to change it. I have seen multiple writers, as well as the famous musician Brian Eno used the phrase teeth as white as bone. And I just want, or sometimes bone as white as teeth. And I just want to remind everybody that bone and teeth are the same thing. Therefore, there's no need to use a simile where you're, you don't need to say leaves as green as leaves, right? So just don't say bones as white as teeth and don't say teeth as white as bones. That is all. Your turn. Good. Yeah, I, I've never, I've never seen that done before. But also, I feel like it wouldn't be something like not most people don't see bones every day, so I don't feel so like a good. But we all know what color they are. They don't come in a variety. Well, yeah, but it's like if I was if I was reaching for the color white, like I think there's better things to go with than like 
bone because bone doesn't I mean to me like I'm not seeing bones every day so it doesn't evoke like it, it, I mean I know they're white but it doesn't it doesn't work as well as like you're getting you're getting so perilously close to opening up a tangent conversation where I argue that white is a superlative and therefore there's no further descriptor to the word white <laughs> Because something there's like it's not like blue where there are shades of blue. Like there is white in any other, even a slight change in its shade makes it not the color white, but a different color. I treat the word white and black like 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 any kind of superlative, like unique or best, in which you can't alter it any further. But anyways, that's another digression. But you should read Strunk and White. <laughs> okay, I've said that before. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any recommendations for us this week? Yeah, I've been really obsessed with The Terror, both the TV show and the book by Dan Simmons, which if you've read it, you know, I have some issues with it. You have some issues with it, too. I really enjoy all the historical details and the show is absolutely beautiful. I also, I read a kids book for my novel study with my students, but it's actually like surprisingly so good. And that's The Giver by Slowry. So if you didn't read this in middle school, you should read it now. Okay, noted. Um, I am going to recommend, now I haven't watched everything, but I'm going to recommend a Norwegian TV series called Occupied on Netflix. It's It has flaws. So the basic pitch is that Norway, uh, there's a sort of oil and gas crisis in the world and Norway for reasons that I won't go into. Norway gets invaded by Russia. Um, and it's about the way that like, even without military action, the way that like another kind of authoritative government's influence can kind of change institutions and the way that people live and the way that people think. It's a great, great show about, like, how people live and survive under, like, and, and resist or not under a dictatorial or, or an invasion, like, a dictatorial regime. Um, it's very good. It has some major, major flaws, um, especially, like, I think the basic pitch and, like, the basic story is a little bit far-fetched like I don't believe it but once you do get into the show and the characters the characters are great and the sort of deve subtle development more subtle development of that initial plot is really good so I would recommend Occupied on Netflix okay well Lani it was great where can we find you online I'm at copper-dust on both AO3 and Tumblr and I am Pebbly Send on AO3 and Tumblr you can find the podcast if you have any feedback suggestions for topics for next episodes on the fanficwriterscraft.tumblr.com our ask box is open and if you want to help finance the podcast you can head to co-v forward slash the fanficwriterscraft this allows us to pay for our hosting fees thank you bye bye, bye.